So I just think you have to be really careful about what you're telling yourself as fact in this time when we actually don't know what the fact is. and welcome to episode 66 of Art Juice. This is honest, generous and humorous conversations to feed your creative soul and get you thinking with me, Louise Fletcher. And me, Alice Sheridan. And this week, we, we have a long list of topics that we think about talking about. And this week, we looked at them all and went, there, no, they don't feel relevant. <laughs> so because the world's still a crazy place. And so I think we are going to, we have a good listener question for this week, and we're also going to just discuss how what's happening is affecting the way we're thinking about our plans, both short term and long term. Um, or not. So, or not, yes. Mm. And we haven't actually discussed this with each other, so we don't know what each other's going to say about that. But first, before we get onto that uh, topic, Alice, what have you been working on this week? Um, well, I'm feeling a little bit better because I finally got um, the pile of cardboard boxes that was in my home studio from bringing everything back home, cleared and sorted, shifted the tables around, and I'm feeling like I've got a little bit of space to work. Haven't actually done any work, mind you, yet, but I have uh, gestoed some panels and I, I, I'm getting gradually, gradually clear in my mind about what things I do want to start working on. So that has helped me feel better. But I've I felt quite um drained this week. It's been quite an up and down week. So um towards the beginning of the week I was really high energy. I had one really good day where I just went through the I think it was Tuesday, hour by hour what I needed to do. And I actually got some really good sort of backstage stuff done just by this hour what two things you want to get done tick tick and then you feel so good that you keep going on other things um so I really enjoyed that and I thought this is great I could keep this going and then I don't know what happened on Wednesday and then (laughs) and then on Thursday I had pretty much all day um I think I was sitting at my computer for 14 hours on Thursday it was a long day so on Friday what did I do I basically just kind of slept I did a coaching call in my pajamas and um went to bed (laughs) sat in the sun pajamas than I do (laughs) It was, I sat in the sun and got all warm and snoozy. And then I just thought, I feel like going to have a snooze. And I thought, well, why not? And I went to have a snooze. So there you go. That was, that was Friday. And I said to you, can we, because often we record on Thursday and I knew my Thursday was going to be crazy busy. Um, and I just thought, I don't want to do it on a Friday. I, I need a break. I need a break built in. So I don't know. It's probably been representative of most people's weeks, but, you know, maybe more up and down the normal this week yeah. not not emotionally just in energy levels I think, yeah. um, I think but I, I'm, I'm really hoping that I'm starting to feel you know that feel where you can start to feel the enthusiasm building again and for for work for artwork yeah. and I haven't had that because you know I have been busy on other things and there just hasn't been the space for it but I'm, I'm getting back in the zone but it's going to be really interesting to see I don't know if I start work is it going to be different is my process going to be different am I going to feel differently about it am I just going to do the same old thing and feel dissatisfied I don't know 
We I can shall tell you about see. that next week. <laughs> Bit of accountability. Yeah, well, mine, um, I have got back into it really this week because just after we spoke to record last week's podcast, then I actually got to move into my new space. Yay! And that has just been so inspiring. Um, having a big light space to work in for the first time ever, um, not cramped, not falling over anything, has just opened things up for me. And I'd already begun in my old space to work with inks on paper. And uh, I'm just doing that. And I'm so excited by it. And I'm doing things which are completely different from the way I used to work. Part of the way I used to work was the process that I took from taking CVP, which everyone's heard us talk about and some people are taking. And that is to paint with acrylic paints in a lot of layers. And I still probably will go back to that. But I'm finding if I really follow my own guidelines to everybody, which is follow what feels good, follow what excites you. Actually, at the moment anyway, what excites me is uh, light, fresh, not lots of layers, intuitive, beginning with inks, and then adding paint to edit using collage and keeping some white space, keeping some actual mm. paper, mm. which um, has not been part of my process at all. But I find every time I don't leave any paper, I'm like, oh, it's lost that freshness that I really loved and that really light feeling. So I'm just exploring. I'm not planning on putting any of these up for sale at the moment or or thinking about, if I start thinking about what they're going to be and what about how do I translate this onto canvas and board and then I'll get all tangled up. And at the yeah. moment, I'm just really, really enjoying myself. I've got about five sketchbooks on the go because then the pages can dry while I'm doing something else. I'm making my own sketchbooks. I started making my own little concertina sketchbooks, which is the simplest thing in the world to do but really enjoying that. And, I, and I've done a few piece, larger pieces on paper, which are in progress, but I'm really just small inks, light, no layers or very few layers and collage is at the moment what seems to be coming out. And I just can't wait to get over there. I think there's, it's an immediacy, isn't it? That's particularly satisfying at the moment. But isn't it funny how uh, presumably those pieces that you're working on, you're working on on a table? Yes. Not on the wall. So you've no, got all this got a giant page. <laughs> you've got all this big space. And that that's why I'm not kind of going back to the studio. I don't know. I'm just not what is it about working big versus working small? Yeah. I mean, is that is that a mindset shift? Is that it sounds to me like for you it's not because you don't have the energy to work big. Are you yeah. scared of your big new white wall? No, I don't think I am because because this had happened in my other space. This had happened before I moved. Okay. But it's funny because I said to Andy, the builder, you know, I haven't used that beautiful wall that you made. I'm not using it. And he said, good, because it'll stay nice and white. So he's not bothered. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants it all to stay pristine. But I've, he's even put the screws in now for the grid. And so I could hang. Th so there's paintings hanging on there. I don't think it's that. It's... I I said to somebody, and I don't know if this is reading too much into it, but I've heard a lot of people talk about working smaller. And I think our lives have shrunk, haven't they? They're more contained. They're, we're in our homes. We're not doing all the things we used to do. Maybe it's natural that what we make would get smaller as a reflection of the fact that 
life is is simpler and less com well it I should I should rephrase that life is simpler and less complicated for me I know it's not yeah. simpler and less complicated for lots of other people in this situation but in my situation it is so I wondered if it's that I don't know I'm I, you see I'm not sure it's necessarily getting smaller because I think for um, some people aren't working that way but I I wonder if it's more about doing whatever we need to do so that we get that kind of dopamine hit of satisfaction or something that feels good that is important to have every day um and we spoke before some, somebody yesterday said to me have you stopped feeding your family out of date food <laughs> and I confidently said yes but then we actually make make rice pudding for supper somebody said oh I really fancy rice pudding I said I can make it it'll take two hours but we've got time we're watching a film and I got this bag of rice pudding <laughs> And tasted a little weird. And then when I checked the date on, on the rice, it was 2013. So <laughs> the rest of that did actually go in the bin. So it turns out rice actually go off a little bit. But the point is that the preparing food thing has actually been a little bit of a joy. I'm getting that satisfaction of creating something and offering it up and when I sit down to do some work at the moment, all I'm doing is a, is a sketchbook as well. I want something that immediately feels good. I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily thinking about anything big or long-term. Mm. Um, I think you can do it as part of a big painting, but I think you need to look for those positive feedback moments frequently. And maybe we need that more frequently now. Yeah. Usually, usually we do. Maybe there's a kind of tenderness Thing that we just need to give ourselves that kind of positive input a little bit more often and may maybe that just feels like it happens easier and frequently on paper I don't know maybe yeah I think I'm going to be interested to see whether I go back to the old process or whether or whether this is an evolution in me finding my own way um I'll just be interested to see because I don't know you know so and that's the thing I don't know and I'm okay with not knowing but I think it's an evolution because looking at what you're making, it is a direct follow on from the way you have been painting and the way you now understand how you use dark yeah. in your painting and yeah. how you position things. Yeah. So it's just you're, you're pushing it. And the fact now that perhaps you don't search for it for quite so long, you, you can get there quickly. Um, and I, I think, you know, I find that, too with painting I think again because of the design background you know you're trained you've got an inherent sense of where to position things and so sometimes in the painting I have to deliberately do it wrong first because my instinct is to put things where where I like them and where I know they're going to be balanced and in a painting then that's not enough mm. I, I, I don't I don't want it to be completed that quickly I want to have that kind of longer journey in it but on paper you don't necessarily need to do that so I think that's all it is it's, it's evidence that all the learning that you've done for yourself in all of those paintings you can now go from you know naught to 60 quicker and more immediately yeah is that yeah. how it feels does it feel yeah. more working yeah yeah it feels and it feels like yeah, and I don't mean it to sound like the things I learned in CVP then I'm throwing by the wayside because it's the opposite. It's the things I learned in CVP are now informing me with different media in a, on a different substrate. 
but they're, they're, they've integrated so completely into what I do that I don't have to really think about them anymore. They're just, exactly. it just yeah. happens. And yeah. so now I'm free to experiment and think, well, do I want to do this or that? Or what do I want to do with that knowledge? Which perhaps in the first year after it, I was perhaps sticking to this same process because that's what I know that's what I was taught. That's how to get there. But now there's lots of other ways to get there. You have a lot more freedom. But it could easily be that I would just go back to those. It's just now. And lots of people must feel like this. I look at those big paintings and even the smaller ones I was doing at the time. And I'm just like, mm, I don't have any connection to them. I don't know who that person was who was making those, but it's not me. So this is what I've been thinking about. I've been wondering if okay we're thinking like you know when this is over without any sense of knowing when it's going to be over or what when it's over looks like but I wonder if there will also be a sense of what we make during this time when it's over she says in inverted commas we'll feel like um that's that's done I'm out I don't I don't want it it's not a thing that I want to I don't know yeah they're they're not paintings that I want or that I feel need to be available for anybody else or you know it'll be something that you want to move past and through and onwards very quickly I don't know I mean maybe not maybe maybe that's not inherent won't be inherent in the work at all I don't know but a little bit of me maybe is hesitant about starting to make something because I'm thinking when this is over I know I won't want it (laughs) but you can't know that can you because what we so I suppose that might be true for some people and for others, they might evolve during this time and move in a new direction because they don't feel the pressure to produce. So they have the time to be creative. And I suppose we'll all find out. And, and when will it be over? I mean, I don't know. I can't see an end point anywhere in the near future. So I suppose we just have to work our way through where we are. Sorry to be negative, everyone. I just don't see. I just don't see that in three weeks they go. All right, everybody, we're done now. Open up, carry on as normal. That's not going to happen. Can't. That is not going to happen. So, given that we don't think that's going to happen, that we're not all going to be released in three weeks and everything's going to go back to normal, what are we talking about today? We're talking about what how this is affecting what we feel about our businesses as artists our lives as artists our lives as people yeah so I'm noticing a little bit of um a desire to slow down and be a little bit more gentle which is probably a uh lesson that I've had to learn for a long time I could have done without a worldwide pandemic to teach me quite frankly that's a little bit going over the top um but I think that's an important lesson for me to learn but I I just keep getting pulled back to this idea that um although we've had this short-term immediate kind of reaction to it and we don't know what the long term is going to be it shouldn't stop us from carrying on thinking about things in the long term and I I think making art is always a long-term process it always has been it's not something that you just you know turn up and in two weeks time you make fantastic paintings and bam they sell it's it's a long-term development 
of the work itself and of the connections that you make, the way you want to share it, you know, all of those things, all of those things that we talked before about different ways to either share it, build websites, um, be responsible for your own way of getting it to an audience. And that's what I'm seeing more and more. So um, recently there was a big, big and very well regarded um, art fair group in London, which has cancelled. And um, they said that they would do an online event instead. But all it turns out to be is something to do with a regular online platform with the usual high commission charges. And they're kicking it off by dropping the price of everything by 10%, which, by the way, you have no say over and comes out of your share as well. And... You know, people are, I think, understandably a little bit disgruntled about that and how it all fits together. And I just think that there's just so much opportunity. You know, we talked at the beginning about how perhaps our worlds have got a little bit smaller. And I think that there's a what's important now, the people who you're in contact with and going out from that, not necessarily thinking about something in a massive scale or getting on a massive platform. The way that the way that it's going to work is starting with where you are now and building almost community connections. So I think we there's a temptation and a tendency to think that everything has to be big in order to to be successful is what I'm saying. And I've always said that you don't need to have masses and masses of people who are aware of you. You need a stronger connection with those who are. And um, I think that's what this time is showing us. And that's where, if you like, I have been kind of putting my energies. And I think if that comes out of it, if I just, I just so want to see artists take control back into their own hands about what they can do and in that sense I don't think the advice has really changed at all the long-term planning is still the same yeah yeah don't I mean the the idea of galleries and art fairs and all of that when that goes away then what you're left with is who you've made connections with who you can make connections with, because it doesn't mean you can't make new connections, but you Mm -hmm. need to make them yourself as opposed to expecting someone else to do it. And I am seeing lots of people doing that now, making steps. And and that's a really good thing to come out of this is if people say, right, what am I going to do now that all my galleries have closed or now that, you know, my art fairs are all cancelled, how am I going to sell these paintings? And I'm seeing a mixture of reactions among people I know from, oh, well, my galleries have closed, the art fairs are cancelled, I've got no income now for however long. That's one reaction. But then lots of positive reactions from people saying, right, I'm finally going to get that newsletter out. I'm finally going to make a website. I'm finally going to overhaul my website, which I really need to do at some point. Um, and and that is encouraging, I think, because that's what mm-hmm. I've always, always believed that you 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 have to take charge of well, you don't have to, but you you should take charge of your own future. Years ago, before I was working as an artist, when I had my own business, 
a different business. We were approached by a new company, a startup company, to partner with them. And the deal initially was very good for our company. And we got a lot of customers through them. They were a job board and we were a resume company and they referred a lot of people. Then at some point they came and said, we'd like a formal partnership. We'd like to give you uh, jobs and have you actually work under our label. And that uh we started trying to do it and after about 10 meetings and people telling us they didn't like the way my assistant answered the phone and all sorts of things I just said no um, it's not working yeah she was from Texas and she was really friendly and southern and they were like no we're a New York company we need someone who signs New York and I just said it's not working and we took a big financial hit and we had a year of real financial struggle after that because most of our business had been coming from them but it really taught me the lesson that I've never forgotten ever since then is don't count on someone else for your money, for your income, unless, of course, you have a job. If you're running your own business, don't count on someone else because anything can happen. And when it happens, you're left with nothing. And after that, we built ourselves back up until we were getting our own clients. And that's how I've always approached this, too. Um, and I can't say it's not like I've got all the answers because I haven't. I'm not like the world's best at it or anything. But I do feel like if I wanted now to start marketing something, I know how to do it because I learned how to do that. And so did you. And I'm happy to see other people start to learn that too. Yeah, it's almost like... Um you know we all have there and we spoke last week about you know how illusion of security has has kind of disappeared it's almost it's almost similar to that isn't it that if this perceived safety net of oh it'll be okay when I get in galleries it'll be okay when this if that has now gone people have gone ah right now what do I need to do and I've had (laughs) there have been so many examples this week in my group of people saying, I finally sent my first newsletter and I sold a painting or I just want to come and say I've sold five things since this started all via Instagram. And it's like, yes, because like sometimes you feel like you're trying to kind of, you know, encourage people into doing it till you're blue in the face. But, you know, you can't make somebody do it until they're ready. And then when you see people like taking these steps, doing these things, well, I'm just going to start doing that. And I don't know what will happen, but I promise to do this every day now. And we're going to go with it because that's the way these things start. And it's, 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 a, it's a really, it's encouraging to see. Um, but I think we do also, we do also need reality check that it does take time. So in terms of the long-term planning, yeah, I mean, it goes back to what we were saying in the painting and the making art. You know, we want to have some immediate, like, little positive hits um, when it happens. Like, yes, it's fantastic that you've, that you've got your first newsletter out. Are you always going to sell something from your newsletter? No, not at the beginning. It's probably not big enough to do that. But keep going with it because ultimately, long-term, that's where you know, the strength of your kind of connection with people and what you're doing and what you're sharing will really help. It doesn't have to just be a newsletter, but you know, you all of these things you need, you need a home on the internet now. Yeah. And, and when you get it going, when you sell that one painting from the newsletter, that's like selling two paintings from a gallery Yeah, or two paintings from an expensive art fair that, because you've got all the costs of 
the booth and then get in there and all of yeah. that stuff. So if you can make this work, you actually have to sell less paintings. You mm. have to do less work to make the same amount of money. Mm. But it's the less artwork you have to, but you have to do more marketing and mm. promoting work. And I think that's something I've seen conversations about as well is people who've said before, I hate marketing. We all, we all pretty much hate marketing the way that 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 person is thinking of marketing like hey do you want to buy one of my paintings look that's not how that but that's not marketing marketing really is just making connections and keeping that connection going and setting up a situation where people know what you have for sale so that if it appeals to them they can come and buy it but in i i bet in most of our cases well all of our cases all of the people who might like our work do not know it exists. There are yeah. people out there now who would love a Louise Fletcher painting or Alice Sheridan painting. They've never heard of us and they have the money. And, and we've been quite pushy in marketing ourselves, really. Mm-hmm. So for most people who really haven't done much marketing, they have no idea how many thousands of people are out there with money right now, even in this situation, who would buy something from them if, if they knew it existed. Yeah, and I, I think the real key to marketing is finding a way where it doesn't feel icky and uncomfortable. And um, a lot of that for me was just relaxing into this idea that I couldn't, I couldn't keep up any pretense of being anything other than what I was for the long term. Again, it comes back to long-term planning. It's going to be tiring if you're pretending to be some super successful artist before you are. And like every line you write, you feel like, oh, that's not, if you just tell it how, how it is, say it how it is at the moment, then that's just you being you. There's no that doesn't that's not so tiring it doesn't feel so false and it's something that you can kind of commit to over the longer term don't be so harsh on yourself if there's been a little bit of a break um between sending out your last newsletter don't you don't need to remind everybody of that you know you can let yourself off the hook when you send one now just just don't talk about it no one else is keeping track yeah it's funny when you get one of those newsletters that says that you always think they'll say I'm so sorry I haven't written for a while you're like haven't you oh I didn't know I didn't mind yeah whatever yeah nice to hear from you now I wasn't actually paying attention that much that I know I wasn't sitting there last month going I haven't had that newsletter what's going on But I wonder if there is something a little bit deeper behind that that is a problem for people at the moment. And this is what I see. uh, I've seen some discussions about. Um, So, uh, you know, after the economic crash and galleries took ages to recover and there was definite slowdown and, you know, people are not going to be buying art. People are not going to be, you know, art is not an essential and um, people are going to be really worried and, you know, basically the bottom is going to drop out of the market. And I think um, there's that as a concern, which by the way, I don't think is true. We can talk Mm. about that in a minute. Why? Um, And, the the other sense is that people feel like, and again, it comes back to pushing, pushing something that is not valuable or helpful or useful to people. And the reality is that when you're talking about things on a scale level, art is not essential. If I'm worried about paying the rent, I'm unlikely to be going out paying buying a painting. That's the reality. It's always been the reality. 
Mm-hmm. It hasn't changed. But equally, I know that I, I've had people who've bought paintings from me who, you know, they're not flash with money. Um, they don't have lots of money. But for them, buying art is an important part of, firstly, their identity. It's how they see themselves. You know, curating things within their home is something that brings them great joy. Buying art from individual artists, rather from big box stores, something that brings them joy. It's a pleasure. You know, don't deny that to somebody else just because you're worried about where it fits in in their hierarchy of needs at the moment. So you don't have to be responsible for everybody else's decisions about whether they decide if it's right for them at the moment or not. And you can't assume... You can't assume that there'll be no one with money. Um, After that financial crash, I had that same business I'm talking about. That was our business then. We we spent the savings we had to revamp our website and improve our branding because I knew this is really competitive now. It's a tough market and we have to be Mm. the best ones. Otherwise, Mm. we won't get any customers. And it worked. And we we doubled our sales immediately that we did the rebranding. So it paid off. But it was a big risk. And I think the same applies to us in this situation. In a bad economy, yes, there there are fewer people with money to spend. Mm. There's still plenty of them. There's just there'll be more competition and if you are visible and visible with good work Mm. there's no reason that we have to assume people won't spend money on it we just Mm. have to be we have to be really good at both the art and the making sure people know we're there yeah, and you know there will be people who who are falling out, if you like, of the delivery side of the equation as well. So, you know, I think, but perhaps in recent years, you know, there are there are a lot of people making art and wanting to make money from it, and you know, sometimes supply and demand economy there are more people supplying than there are demanding, and um, it's a little bit brutal. But you you want to make sure that you're towards the top of that and find and finding that match with the people who have got money to spend now does that mean that you might have to adjust what you make uh possibly a little bit just in terms of the way that we've been thinking about how your feelings about it have changed um i think we've spoken a couple of previous episodes about not necessarily having this desire maybe i feel that at the moment that there isn't a, a demand for people splashing out on big paintings i'm pretty sure that's wrong that feeling actually by the way um but that's what i believe in my head at the moment so it's not encouraging me to go out and buy big paintings at big canvases at some point that will change and there will be people who still want them but at the moment my belief is telling me that that those people aren't out there so i'm not feeling the desire to do it so i just think you have to be really careful about what you're telling yourself as fact in this time when we actually don't know what the facts are you can't and also you can't be responsible for anybody else's um evaluation of what the facts are it's it's just what you need to do what you need to you can only ever be responsible for you and what you do and if 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 anything just spend the time on all of those things so um you know if you're if you're 
worrying about money and ordering and that kind of thing you know check through all your own art materials for anything that's dried up or that you haven't got to use I mean like I discovered three perfectly good new frames the other day Mm. that from the days when I was doing printmaking and I had these really big tall long plates and actually they would be perfect for doing some nice I've got a feeling I had a feeling of doing nice long kind of horizontal works on paper brilliant I found those frames at the back of the cupboard so am I going to slightly alter what I do to make sure they fit those frames rather than making something that's probably two inches too big yeah a little bit but it still fits in with what I want to be doing so I think it's important to um, check check what you've got but all the other things that you could be doing preparing for commissions um, having some fun with photography building a photo library so that you've got images to add to your website checking if your home page is updated all of that kind of stuff looking into adding e-commerce so people can buy directly from you and maybe you might find that at the moment you don't do that at quite the pace that you might otherwise do that's okay Remember, this is long term. Just do it slowly, bit by bit, one little thing at a time. But I think this is a real opportunity to strengthen all of that side of all of our businesses. I think that's a really important point, actually, that I just want to pull up on. One of the things I've noticed is because I do have a bit more time and uh, but I've noticed like I have more time. So I'm noticing all the things in the house and the garden that need doing. And it's a massive list, which then feels overwhelming. I'm like, but all those things needed doing a month ago, and I wasn't even thinking about them. But now that I've got more time, it's like, oh, my God, that room needs clearing out, and that cupboard's still a mess, and that garden, and the weeds are taking over, and I haven't cut the grass this week, blah, blah, blah. And I think that happens a bit with this kind of thing. So if people are sitting down saying, right, I really need to find a way to sell my own work. I need to get a website done. I need to start a mailing mm-hmm. list. Mm-hmm. I need to do this. I need to do that. And then it becomes, it just, the list gets longer and longer. And then you just sit there staring at it. And so no, that, that, that's, yeah, that's when you start um, doing too much baking and watching Netflix. Yeah. And then yeah. that's where you're saying, I like your idea of the just two things that hour, you might just do two things a day or two yeah. things a week or yep. just just saying right well which of these things do I want to focus on so then focus on that and just break it down into small manageable tasks to to prevent that sense of overwhelm that I think we get which then just feels like oh well the world's coming to an end because I'll never get all of this done I can't figure it out and that happens as well when it's a technology thing so let's say you've decided you need to revamp your website but when you did it the first time it was a developer and, and now you've got to work it out for yourself that can feel overwhelming but one step at a time I find because I'm not great with WordPress and I have to when I have to change my website, sometimes I have to really work out, work yeah. it out, and it takes a while. Suck yourself up to do it, get ready yeah, for it. And it's like, yeah. oh, God, and I know this is going to take ages. But just making myself say, well, all I'm going to do is set up this one page, and I'm yeah. going to give myself a day to do it. And then if, if I've only got that done in a day, at least I got that one page done. 
And usually well, not even not off. even getting the page done. Like I had something the other day that there was a bit of a um, challenge to do, and and um, we were doing it as an accountability thing for something that that I'm part of. And you know, at the end of half an hour, he came back and was like, "How did you go?" And I said, "Well, all I discovered is I I can't remember where any of the settings are in this thing, how to set anything up. I can't work out how to change. All I discovered was I've totally forgotten how all of it works." <laughs> But the point is that at that point, I rather than it sitting as this thing that I might want to do at some point, I'd spent half an hour going, where are all of these things? Clicking around. Where's this? So if there's that, where it looking in all the menus and all the buttons and and yeah, it wasn't familiar to me because I'm not in there doing that every day. That's quite all right. You know, the things that we do every day, we do really quickly. I don't do all that kind of stuff every day. But after that point, then I thought, right, well, I've done all the figuring around. I'm sure I can just work out how to do this. There must be a way that I can just copy that duplicate that whole thing and then I've got something new to work on and where is it that I change the times again you know so little bit by little bit and by the not within the kind of half hour challenge I got it done but by the end of the day I'd got it done only because I just started that first part of saying okay well uh, this bit's not going to make any sense to me that's fine yeah it's okay yeah yeah so there's something else about all of this as well. So we're talking about people who are making art who want to make money, who are doing it as, as a business. Um, but I think another part of this in terms of thinking about long-term planning that's really important is that um, that's not always an active part of what we do as artists. Like I have three things a year, right? So one of them just happened on the eve of this occurring. That was a bummer. Now I've got to pivot. I've got work that's finished. I've got to think about how I'm going to get that out there to people who know me already and people who don't know me already. So that's a change I've got to make. But, you know, the next thing wasn't for eight, it wasn't for ages. There are two more things in the year. That's it. We're in April. Yeah. So, you know, the long-term planning for those, I'm going to have to change I'm going to have to modify things a little bit but it's not like we have week after week of event and event and event to do normally so let's not freak out about the fact that nobody can get out in the next however long it's going to be there will be other things and and I think if you keep your eyes open and see how other people are doing things um, that's how you learn and you just get those little nuggets oh that's an idea I could I could do that Um, I think open studios this year, by the time we come to it, actually might be quite interesting. So in Brighton, they've started this um, open windows thing where artists put a painting up in their windows and then some have put signs with their website address and then they're changing the painting every day so that people who are walking by can see that it's changing every day. Now, you know, are you going to sell that many directly from people? They're not going to come and knock on your door, but they might go home and have a look. They might realize that suddenly they're living down the street from an artist. And in a year's time, when you do have open studios, they'll, they'll come. That's so Ours is actually going online with uh, quite an interesting idea is we ha- uh, one of the artists, I'm not sure what the connection is, but knows this young videographer who's lost all his work due to this 
situation. And so for a very decent rate, he's making, he's going to make, make and edit films of every artist. Now we have to film ourselves because he can't come out to us, but then he's going to edit a professional nice video for each artist. And they're going to be streamed over two weekends. Um, the, how it's all working yet, I don't know. And because I just said, I can't, I can't be involved in the, organization of that the way I was for regular open studios because I just have too much else to work on given this current Mm. situation but um so I don't know how it's all going to work but it's a good creative idea if you've got somebody who can edit all the videos together and make them look nice and then each artist gets the video for themselves to use on their website going forward so uh, have they kept have they kept your subscription payment to pay for that um oh that's an interesting one so we asked everybody if they would leave their money with us to apply to next year um and this would be done out of that money as an extra but um but some people wanted their money back some people didn't want to wait for a year so I'm not sure about the accounting side of it but what's interesting is that the the organizers have also said this is probably something we could do every year so even when Open Studio starts again, this might end up being a supplement to it, which is great because it means instead of being North Yorkshire Open Studios, it's just, it's open. Anybody can see the artwork. We can do this nationally. So that's a nice idea. It's a great idea. I think, I mean, the only, the only uh, issue that I can envision with it knowing the artists who were in our open studios is that there would be a significant number of them who would find uh, the ability to set up a video camera to get anything as raw material, even if it's just recording audio that goes over still images. I know. I I I mean, we struggle getting people just to upload three images onto a website. Yeah. I'm interested to see what happens because I I have that same doubt. I I don't know if that's going to work with very many people but who knows we'll see I know and it's, it's difficult isn't it because if I'm honest you know I hear that and I think that's great I could suggest that to ours and I know what will happen that they'll say okay well you organize it then and I'm like yeah. you I'm like I, I haven't got the bandwidth to take on yeah. organizing anything else and to teach people how to do no Maybe. that's the problem that I, I I don't want to take that on because having a membership site at a time like this means I'm putting a lot more effort into that to keep yeah you know to try and support those people yeah it's ongoing yeah and then I'm gonna have to put a lot more effort into if I want to run my course later this year a lot more effort and time into changing around the marketing of that because I can't just go forward and do it exactly the way it's always been done it needs to be I need to talk about it in the context of what's happening, which is easy to do. Mm-hmm. You know, into, I mean, it, I know how to do that, but it's it's time consuming. There's more work involved. And also my energy levels, like a lot of people, I just don't have the excitement and energy to take on more and more and more things as I normally do. And I think that's to what you were saying earlier about feeling drained. That's because there's this constant low level stress that we're all living under of not knowing when things are going to go back to normal of being at home with our kids or whatever different stresses people have got that's still all going on and that takes up energy and I I just don't have as much as I normally do yeah I I agree with you 
Um, I think that will fade, actually. Um, but I think there is also learning in that as well as, you know, how much we do normally take on and kind of maybe push ourselves beyond limits that we should be doing. So the other side of this long-term planning is the sense that how important it is for you to um, keep doing the things that do keep you sane and feeling good. So one of the other ideas that we had to talk about today was negotiating in these times, negotiating outstanding payments. One of those things I had down was even negotiating for your own time. And, um, you know, that's something that I've been, I actually haven't been negotiating battle with it for the family and domestic tasks and not on that front, but I've been just very aware of, you know, there are a lot of things that I do that are supportive and helping of other people. I've also got to negotiate my time for myself to keep myself healthy, level, sane, feeling okay. Now, yesterday afternoon, I could have come and painted. I didn't. I decided to go and have a sleep again instead. Now, at some point, I hope that that decision will go in the other direction. Um, but I think that awareness, what we actually need to do for ourselves, for our painting, is a, is a really good and valid thing that will come out of this. Because we probably have all been firefighting a little bit, but I know from my experience, if I go too long without doing anything creative, things start to not get very good. I get, I, I mean, that's when I get a bit antsy. And yeah, it's probably all been directed into cooking and preparing and house and all of that kind of stuff. But at some point, it's got to go back into making work because that's what I was doing because it was important. Yeah. So it still is. Yeah. So yeah. it's not all just about pushing and pivoting and working out how different ways that we can do things for selling. It's about, you know, just keeping that long-term approach as to what's what's sensible and good for you. So keep yeah. doing it. Let us know. Sorry. So we did have a listener question, but we've already covered it because the listener question was, how do you deal with the roller coaster of emotions around making art? And that's really what we've been talking about. So let's ask for some more listener questions. So if you have a question that you would like us to talk about or an issue you'd like us to address, you can go to bit.ly slash artjuiceq with a capital Q and send us a question. We'd love to hear from you. And if this idea of long-term growth for your business and support is appealing right now, um, I have decided to open up Connected Artist again for some more spaces. I'm not going to have this a great kind of time pressure, um, but when this goes out, there will be a page on my website to sign up for the wait list. And when I've got things ready, I will be emailing the people who are on the wait list just with an invitation if they would like to join again at this time. So head over to alicesheridan.com and have a look at that. And if you're interested in Louise's membership, which is called Your Art Tribe, you can find more about that on her website, which is louisefletcherart.com. So take a look at both of those offerings and see if any of those would suit you right now. So moving on, 
inside, outside. So what's made you feel good this week, Alice? Um, what's made me feel good this week? The flipping sunshine is fantastic, isn't it? I no. mean, you know. Yeah, we, we disagree about the sunshine, but. Oh, no. Fantastic. The sunshine, watching the blossom come out on the trees. You don't like it? 24 I, degrees we had I in like London sunshine. yesterday. I like sunshine. I like blossom. I hate 24 degrees. It's way too <laughs> warm for me. <laughs> I like sunshine and like a crisp, you know, 15 is fine. Oh, I was like a cat in the sun yesterday. It was lovely. Um, but what else has made me feel good? Um, TikTok, we had a, we had a kind of quite a funny giggle session watching TikTok um, for a while and then it got really boring and uh, we disagree about this don't we because I, I was just looking at it and you know even and you said yesterday yeah you know, you have to watch what Gary V's doing so I did a bit this morning I still don't get it no well I meant you have to watch what Gary V's doing to see how it can be used to market yourself when you're an adult as opposed because she was saying oh it's just for kids and so I, my feeling about this is that you sound like my dad when I said I like the Sex Pistols. <laughs> You're like, oh, but they need to get a haircut and join the army. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about TikTok, I think, is I've been really interested watching it because old uh, adults are taking over like they always do. So yeah. it started off being for tod- well, little kids, eight and nine. Then it was for you know tweens then it was for teenagers then it was for young mums uh and now there are tons of older people on there and all sorts of doing what doing just my I mean it's fun it's entertaining I get that but I still don't see how it fits with marketing other than just being another place to create content for well, that's just the way of the world, isn't it? Things come and go and we have to move with them. I mean, at some point, Twitter's already gone on the downward trend and Instagram is becoming less effective because of the algorithm changes and things change. And we, we people always say, like Facebook, they said, that's just for college kids. I remember when Facebook came out and it was just for college kids. Um and but it wasn't it isn't now it was and instagram was just for photographers to put nice filters on things and make them look pretty until it wasn't just for that and how people use tiktok for marketing will evolve i i don't have any great um claim to know how to do that but i know that gary v's got three million followers on there i know but gary v's three million followers have just followed him from where he is on other platforms I don't think that's true. I don't think you can say that. I don't think really. I don't think you know that. I mean, some people, some of the people who are on TikTok would not be on Facebook because it's for all these, you know, and a lot of if you watch Gary Vee's currently doing a two hour every day on YouTube free question and answer session. And people can come on and just ask him anything. And a lot of the people coming on are really young and he's not young. So, you know, where are they coming from? But anyway, I like it. I, like you say, so at the moment, it's entertainment, right? But I watch yeah. for entertainment. I do all sorts of things for entertainment. So I like it for a quick five-minute hit of, I've got certain people I follow that are funny or interesting. There's a journalist who's hilarious. I don't know which, he's a British journalist. And he just does these little one-minute videos. I, I can't describe why they're funny, but they're really good. 
and I like the creativity of it. I that's love... not the sports commentator that's doing commentating on his dogs. Oh, no, no, no. This guy is a political commentator. One he did was outside the hospital where Boris is. Um, I, I'll have to look him up and I'll put it in the show notes because he is funny. But I think what I love about it, actually, it's the creativity within strict limitations. It's the same thing I like when I'm playing in art. I like to set myself strict boundaries and then play within that. And I love that you only get, I think it's 60 seconds. And some of the creative things that people do on there, there's one, here's an hilarious one. There's a woman who's sitting at a computer, a young woman typing away. And then her husband comes through doing a different ridiculous thing every day. And the caption says, when your wife has a job and you don't, and he's like trying to entertain himself. (laughs) And it's absolutely hilarious but it only lasts 60 seconds. And I love that he came up with that and that I don't have to watch Coronation Street. I can just go on there and get much more entertained. And I just don't like the dumbing down of it and the fact that it's, I I just, I can't see how that fits with maybe, maybe just what I want to do or what I'm doing with art. It just doesn't seem to be a good match. I think I can get how it could be for some, yeah, but certainly I don't think my current audience are on there. No, they're not now. But the question is, do you want, like there's some amazing young people putting art on there, particularly like A-level um, books. I've been enjoying looking at people's A-level books on there. Fantastic. I can't believe that the standard of art that some people are doing for A-level. And those people are on there loving art, working really hard at it and looking for someone. Now, you're not interested in particularly in teaching at the moment, so that might not make sense for you, but I think it makes sense for somebody who wants to teach. And it might not make, you know, the the audience of 50-year-olds might not be on there now, but six months from now, you know, a year from now, they will be. Or they won't and it'll go away. And if it goes away, we move on to whatever the next thing is. But this goes back to what we were saying. If we want to market ourselves, I think we have to just be agnostic about where we do that. I don't mind keeping an eye on it. I don't mind keeping an eye on it. And, you know, if I had huge gaps, I mean, you're right, I have dropped Twitter. Um, Yeah, me too. mm -hmm. Do 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 I think though at the moment that it's worth putting a huge amount of energy into it? No. Are you making things for well, it? Yet? No, I was going to say I don't either because I'm not doing anything. But again, I don't know if that's because I don't think it's worth it, or because I haven't yet worked out how I could use it. I do yeah. think it's worth it. I do think it's always worth it to let people know you exist. I just don't. I don't have any good idea yet about what to do on there. I don't think anybody wants to see me dance into rap music. So I think I need to find some other thing to do. But anyway, uh, yeah. So that's what made you feel good until it didn't make you feel good. Yeah, exactly. It made me giggle until it got boring. Well, And and I think, you know, given that it's a platform that's designed to be entertaining in really, really, really short bursts, you know, it just it just gets repetitive really quickly, which is a good opportunity to do something different. I can see that. Yeah, totally. and I think it depends. You've got to curate so that who you're following. 
so that you get a good mix of interesting people. Yeah, that's partly my problem is out of all the ones I've seen, then I just think, do I actually want to follow you and see more of this? No. I'll have to send you some good ones. All right. <laughs> um, so what's made me feel good, and I'm sorry to bang on about this, but I'm going to anyway, is my new space. And in particular, the cleanliness and yes. tidiness of it. Yes. Um. I don't know if I'm going to be able to maintain this, but I am fortunate that the space that was my old studio is normally used as a guest bedroom when people come to stay and nobody's going to come to stay for the next few months, obviously. So at the moment I can just keep that as a dumping ground for everything I don't need. And so what I was doing as well as working in there is sorting through all my materials, everything that I've, got like you have discovered like huge sheets of watercolor paper that I didn't even know I had all yep. sorts of things stashed away and I'm sorting everything out into a bit kind of what's what's that Marie Kondo a bit yes you know does this make me excited or is this just something I bought and you're only bringing the really good stuff in yeah and only the stuff that I'm using currently and then I'm also having a big clear out of no I'm never going to use that so that's just going and oh that's junk uh I stuffed it in a cupboard because I had a cupboard but really it just needs to go and I love that feeling and it's actually inspired me to now start in the house so this little room where I talked to you from which you've sat in before has been a dumping ground for about six months and that's getting a big clear out today um just because that sense of minimalism of stuff really does feel good yeah, And so I want to try and retain that and be smart about the storage I put into the new space so that I can retain that to some extent. I think you've done that the right way, actually, because you haven't got masses of storage at the moment, have you? You've got the no. little trolleys and your painting trolley that you've moved and a table from what I've seen and a bookcase. You've got your bookcase. Yeah. But you don't have big cupboards yet. And I think it's good to wait until you actually know what it is that you need to store in that space otherwise if you have a cupboard you do just you just fill it exactly there must be some cupboard law somewhere I know well I'm, I'm I'm having a desk made for me once once the places open up again and you can buy wood um, I'm having a, t- a desk made and you inspired me with your desk that you made for your studio because I want it to have storage underneath it yeah so that that space gets used up and then and then I don't plan on putting in any cupboards. And the other thing is, if I don't have cupboards, then I won't buy things that I don't have room for. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> it's so we'll, true. We'll see. <laughs> it's so, it makes such a big difference. And for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, well, again, we'll put a link to the show notes. But if you go to my website, and um, uh, I think you can search, but uh, if you search for, if you just do a Google search for Alice Sheridan, Marie Kondo, your studio, there's a blog post and it just gives you um, that I wrote, it was a year a year or so ago now, but it's so important to me at regular times in my practice to go through, to go through my space because I know it makes such a difference to how I feel about starting. And this is exactly what I said about the beginning. Now I've got this space clear and ready to go. It feels good and I feel good about it. So that's, that's what it's all about at the moment, isn't it? What makes us feel good? Yes. I'll be so sorry when I'm completely up to date with the podcasts. So thank you for that review. 
snails our ace, whoever you are, and also for everybody else who's left us reviews. And if you feel so inclined and you haven't already done so, it would be lovely if you would do the same thing. Um, give us five stars and a fantastic review, please. <laughs> and that's marketing. <laughs> Not leading in any way there. <laughs> And that, and that just finishes things for us. So we will see you next week. Take care. Bye. Bye. What are those little things behind you? What? There's little, two little red things and a little, like, they look like little nesting dolls or something. Oh, tiny baby nesting doll. <laughs> So the paths are only a metre and a half wide. So if someone else is coming the other way... You can't avoid them. What is the logic? Did you see... Have you seen any of the sinner? I think I might have seen the sinner. We're on season three now. So each season is totally different. Is it on Netflix? I don't know. See, we don't have an actual telly. Phil gets everything off the internet. And so some Um, things are illegal that we watch and and some things are on Netflix. I have no idea what it's on. I think it's an American network thing. Crazy ex-girlfriend. Okay. Genius. Genius. The songwriter for it, it's a musical comedy. That sounds awful. But it's not. It's brilliant. And the songwriter for it just died of coronavirus. He was um, he was the lead singer of a famous band. I've forgotten who.